Amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day to the Identity Church family. You know, this week, you know, the Lord had put on my heart to do a Mother's Day um, message. And this is going to be a little bit different. It's probably going to be more different than y'all have ever had on a Mother's Day. Oh, you're going to talk about fathers. I'm going to talk about fathers. No, I am going to, I am going to talk about mothers. But it's not going to be in a very traditional sense. In fact, we're going to get a, a very under, we're going to get an understanding of who our mothers are. In fact, that's kind of what I've entitled this. Who is our mother? And, you know, I can look around. I've got one sitting over here to my left, Jeannie Cornelius. She's my mom, at least for the last almost 44 years. And um, most, of the, most of the time on Mother's Day, we think of mothers and we think to ourselves, oh, Mother's Day, Sunday, you know, it's just a, it's an awesome time that, you know, I bet you Jesus and his mother, you know, Mother Mary, I bet they had just great days every single day, right? Well, do y'all remember that time that Jesus disrespected his mama? Yeah. You remember that time when he just flat out just came in and just said, who is my mama? She ain't here and she's outside. You know, back in 1999, I watched, uh, in fact, Christian Bell. Do y'all know who Christian Bell is? He did a Jesus movie, and I watched it on TBN a few years ago. And this point, when Jesus is out in front, there's like 15, 20 people sitting around Jesus in a circle, and they go, Jesus, your mother is outside, and she wants to talk to you. And he goes, who is my mother? And who is my brother? But these, those that are around me. And then Jesus' mom is probably as far as to where my dad is sitting over here from him, right? And, and she's over there and a lady walks up and goes, did you hear what Jesus said? And she goes, he's the son of God. He can say whatever he wants. And I remember that part of the movie and I thought to myself, man, Jesus, Jesus trashed mom and she's just like, you know what? He's God, he can do whatever he wants. So we're just going to move on. And I thought to myself, that was, that was, that was pretty bad. But I put up here, I get this out of Mark 3, 32, and the multitude was sitting around him because, you know, just like those 15 people or so that was just sitting around him and they said, look, your mother and brother are outside seeking you. But he answered them and says, who is my mother and my brother? And I put up here a picture of Mary crying with her mouth covered. And it says, how dare you say that? I gave birth to you in a barn. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus was born in a manger. I mean, actually, do you actually think that Mary was laying in a manger, had Jesus in the manger? I don't think that happened. But essentially, yes, he was born in a barn. And she gave birth to him there. So why in the world did Jesus disrespect his mama that gave birth to him in a barn? Well, you know what? Even without even going into anything, I want you to know that Jesus would not disrespect his mama. 
Let me tell you why he wouldn't disrespect his mama. In Matthew 5, 17 and 18, it says, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not dis- destroy it, but to fulfill. For surely I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle will not by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a two-part to this, okay? Jesus came to fulfill the law. When did the law get fulfilled? When he died. When he died on the cross. Jesus is still under the law, right? He is still under the law at this point. So under the law, you know, would Jesus have disrespected his mom? Well, the first set of commandments that came from God was Exodus 20, 12. And it says, honor thy father and the mother that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So Jesus wouldn't have disrespected it because he was bound by his own word. Jesus is the word. Jesus formed those words. So he wouldn't have went against it. So what did Jesus do? Why did Jesus say all these things? Now I want us to have fun with this, right? Because there's some really misconceptions that we have about Jesus. How many times have you heard, I mean, back in the early 2000s, everybody wore WWJD bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? And I remember we would have a lot of discussions about that in youth groups and stuff like that. We would say, what would Jesus do about that situation? If somebody did something you know, to you or said something about you, Jesus would have turned the other cheek. Right? Yes, Jesus would have turned the other cheek if somebody was talking about him. But what about his family? Hmm. So I, I, want, I want us to go through a timeline of right before Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my brother? And we're not going to get into the brother aspect of it. We'll wait until Brother's Day for that, okay? <laughs> But here in Matthew, so you've got two different places that this talks about. And by the way, it is pretty accurate between the two of them. Like, they are very much in line with each other. So this is definitely talking about this situation. Like, we're not mixing in other situations. There wasn't any other thing that was going on. This is what happened according to Matthew and according to Mark. So we know that this is what set Jesus off. Okay? So in Matthew 12, 1 through 47 and Mark 1 through 32, we get this telling. So you can go back and you can read all this and, you know, you can say, hey, Dusty, you got the timeline? No, it is dead on direct. So what started this whole thing? Basically, in Matthew chapter uh, 12, verse 1, Jesus and his disciples are walking on the Sabbath day, trying to get to their, their place. They're in Capernaum. They're, they're coming back into Capernaum. They walk through a field. They're hungry. And what did it say in the Bible? It says that they took the grains off of the top of the grass and was eating them. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, why do you and your disciples 
do which is unlawful on the Sabbath by, by picking grain. Now, I want to I let y'all in on a little secret. Jesus and his disciples were not out there going, well, there's 15, 20 acres of, of grain out here. Let's go and harvest it, boys. No. He was walking through a field, coming back into Capernaum. They grabbed some grain off the top of it. It'd be like p- picking a grape off of, or a piece of fruit off the tree and eating it. Now, it wasn't unlawful for them to eat, but to the Pharisees it was. You shouldn't be out here showing people. And Jesus turned around and said, well, what about the showbread that David ate? So he turns, right, he turns it right back, took, the, took them back to the word. Well, all, all of them loved, loved David. Well, David went and ate the showbread directly out of the temple. So number one, they're going, well, I can't, I can't deny that. So they turn around and they look at this crippled man that's standing at the synagogue and he has a crippled, withered hand. And one of the Pharisees says, well, what about healing on the Sabbath? Now, Jesus wasn't walking around healing people like, hey, let's get the line going on here. I'm going to lay hands on people. No, he was just walking down the street and the Pharisees challenged him. Now, I want you to understand this because it matters later on in, in this whole telling. So Jesus is, is there. He says, well, if I healed on the Sabbath, he goes, what if you had a sheep that fell into a, a crevice? Would you not go save your sheep? And he turns around and he looks at the man with the withered hand and he says, you are healed in Jesus' name. And the man's hand was healed. The Pharisees didn't go, this is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. What'd they do? They all left and they, gang, they got a gang of people and they said, we're going to go and destroy him. That's what they said. We're going to go and destroy him. So just think about this. Jesus had the audacity to heal someone on the Sabbath day. And then guess what? He didn't just heal that one man. A whole multitude of people started coming around. When they said the multitude... We're talking about thousands. Because he's in Capernaum. People already knew about him. He lived there. These people are coming to him. They're bringing the sick. He's healing them. They just keep more and more, more and more, more and more. We have streets full of people. So much so, Jesus had to go and get away. He went to the sea and stood in a boat and started talking to them and said, okay, guys, go. Get out of here. I got to go. You got to go. So he goes and he gets out there and he goes into a house. And guess what? The people didn't listen to him. They followed him. So you've got a house, probably no bigger than the size of this room, maybe a little bit bigger, that Jesus and his disciples are in. These people are like, it's like a rock concert. They are pushing up against the house. There's more people than you can shake a stick at. And guess who shows up? The Pharisees and their gang. It's like West Side Story. They're all going <laughs> to... Oh, we're going to rumble now. I brought my disciples and we're going to get you and your disciples. And that's the way that they, they treated this. 
We're going to destroy him, guys. We're going to go take him down. He's not going to go against us and the law. And see, that's what happened was the Pharisees conspired against Jesus. They went and said, let's get the gang and whoop up on Jesus. They were really trying to find a way for him to say the wrong thing, and then they would kill him. They'd stone him. That's what destroy really means. It means to obliterate him to where no one ever remembers his name. So we see that what happened next is Jesus starts laying some truth down. But I want, to, I want you to notice something about Jesus here. Jesus was pretty, like, down the middle. He didn't fight with them. He didn't do anything. They were, like, doing all this stuff. And see, everybody thinks that these next set of verses has to do with Jesus. But they do not. Jesus did not get mad at them because, because he, he was being insulted. He got mad at them because his father was being insulted. Because the very spirit that went into Mary that created Jesus, they called the devil. And we're going to see this. Matthew 12, 24. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Verse 26 says, if Jesus talking here, says, if Satan cast out Satan, he divides against himself, how will his kingdom stand? I want you to understand this. This was not against Jesus. Jesus did not take offense for himself in this. Basically, you have to understand that when John prayed for Jesus, what happened to Jesus? It says the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came and rested upon him. You know, Jesus did not do anything of himself without God. Do you know that you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to be able to cast out demons, to be able to heal people? It's not in our own power. We don't do this on our own. It has to be God himself that is a part of us. So when you say that God's not doing something right, when people are being healed and set free and there's things happening in the earth that you can only say, man, that's by God's hand. You know, I look on the internet and there's people that call things of God crazy. There's people that will go against the things of God that are even Christians. And what happens is, is that we're sitting here trying to make sense of it all, right? I mean, if you've never had anything, I get it. But Jesus says in verse 32, of Matthew chapter 12, it says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven of him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. So blaspheming of the Holy Spirit means what? It means that you're going against God's purpose, you're going against God's plan, and you're going against the things that He's doing in by the Holy Spirit. You know, the unpardonable sins and all these other things has to do with the fact that if I keep going down a path of saying, nope, that's not God. 
Nope, that's not God. You know, Jesus actually said, get thee behind me, Satan, against Peter. You know, the Holy Spirit was doing some things and Peter said that. We have to understand that we have to line ourselves up with God and the Holy Spirit based upon Jesus, the Word of God. John chapter 1 where it says that He was the Word and He was truth. Do you know that when we sit here and we see people who are going against the Holy Spirit, that makes Jesus mad. I'm talking about mad. WWJD. Let's find out what WWJD does, okay? Because what would Jesus do? Jesus would cuss your tail out is what he would do. I'm going to be honest with you. Matthew 12, 34. Oh, generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak of good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This word generation here means offspring. Have you ever heard somebody use the B word, call him a son of a... He just called him a son of a viper. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest here. What's worse, being called son of a female dog or being called son of a snake? I mean, that's how mad it made Jesus. He's over there chewing them out. Not before himself, but because you just came against God. You just came against the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Jesus wasn't going to stand for it. Why was Jesus so upset? Think about the money changers. Jesus went and flipped tables and whipped people for desecrating his father's house. Well, guess what? This is exactly what was happening. They were desecrating the spirit of God. They were desecrating the the part of God that is out here trying to help people. They were trying to put a damper on what God wanted to do and they wanted to put God back in his box. And it made Jesus mad. Matthew 12, 38, it says, And then some scribes and Pharisees answered and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Well, guess what? When you're getting your butt kicked, the white flag starts coming up. Hey, I'm going from calling you a devil to calling you teacher. That means that I got to stop this because you're making me look like an idiot. All these thousands of people. So I want, I want you to understand this. We all sit, sit here and think of Jesus with like 20 people around him. When you have upwards of 5,000 people that are crowded into a city around a house, guess what? Have you, ever, have you ever seen one of these things where people get into these, like, you know, where they do crack fights? You know, your, your mama's so fat or whatever it is, and everybody in the crowd goes, whoo, like that. <laughs> Think about when 5,000 people are around and Jesus goes, you son of vipers. Whoo, man, listen to what the Pharisees are being called. Jesus just slapping them down. It wasn't everybody just standing there. What are they saying? This was a raucous. In fact, it says that the multitudes was like a riot. When you go and look that up in the Greek, there was so many people and they were going, Jesus is whipping their tails. They started changing their tune. Wait a minute. This could get really bad for us. This, this 
group of people, these thousands and thousands of people can turn on us. And we're the Pharisees. We're the leaders. This guy's got so much power, he just whipped our tails. And it says in, in 1239, Jesus wasn't going to let them up. Jesus had them down for the count and said, we're going to take them out. He says, but he answered to them and said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Let me, let me tell you, what did Jesus do to start all this? What started all this? He healed a man with a crippled hand. Now, why? Why do you think the Pharisees is trying to do this? They're trying to get, go ahead. Trying to find something that they can hold against. They can hold against him. Maybe what we saw before wasn't the real deal. We want to see something else. Can we get you to, to step in it again? And you know what? Jesus told them, you evil. It means destructive, godless, adulterous. This, this word adulterous means what you believe it means, except it means that you're cheating on God too. I mean, that, that's, this is what this means at the end of it. He just called them godless and that he was having an affair with Beelzebub. So Jesus just flipped the script on. They tried to say, ah, oh, you're doing this based upon the devil. And Jesus turns around and says, no, you're in a love affair with the devil. You offspring of vipers. Guess what? Your father, the devil. Remember all those things that he said? Not only are you the offspring of the devil, you also are going back and having a love affair with this devil. See, this is how much Jesus wanted the people, those thousands, to know that the Pharisees were trying to put them down the wrong path, that they were trying to hold them back. And it really made Jesus mad. So he was basically saying, you're consorting with devils. They were like, hey, we're done. You got us. Teacher. Guess what? Teacher. We got all these thousands of people who have forced us into a room with you. We can't get out of here. Like if we wanted to leave, we couldn't even leave. That's how bad it was. There were so many people. Well, guess what? The slams just keep coming. Jesus is like, I'm not letting you up. You insulted my father. I'm going to keep showing how much of an adulterous generation you are. And they're going, I give, let me go. So when your opponent is beating you down, look for a distraction. Can I get a distraction? Can somebody distract somebody for me? Hey, can I get somebody to have a heart attack? Can, some, can we have a medical emergency, something? Because this guy's beating me down. I need some help. See, Matthew 12, 46 and 50 says, while he was still talking to them. No, while he was still berating them. It says, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. His mother and brother was like being 15 houses down the street. 
I mean, we're talking about they Mary didn't even know what he was saying. They didn't know. And you know what? Guess what it says next? And it says the one, probably a Pharisee, okay, said to him, oh, hey, Jesus, look, man, whoo. Hey, your mother and your brother are outside seeking to speak to you. Let's stop this. Won't you go find mama, okay? I mean, mama's going to help us out here. Come on, mama, come in here. If mama comes in here, Jesus is going to stop whipping our tails. That's what's going to happen. Well, guess what? Jesus basically said, no, I'm going I'm to lay it to you even more. And he said, he said in verse 48, but he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? So madre and padre, you know, Spanish, right? We, we see that, that term. Well, in Greek, it's metre and it's petre, okay? It's for mother and father. So this is the same exact word, but in the Greek, <coughs> it has all these different um, outlined meanings, right? You have mother, but it truly means to be the source of something. What is my source? Where did I come from? Where, where are my beliefs at? How do I know what I believe is true? How do I know that where my family came from is true? Do you know that you can always go back to your mama, but you may not ever know who your father is, right? Because the father, if you go and read for patre in the Greek, it means something transferred. Something given when it is in this when it's in this context. So the mother is the source, but the father's just the transfer. The mother is where everything is at. The mother is who you can always go back to. And see, there's some people they don't have a father, nor do they have a mother. But Jesus is also saying, look. Who is my mother? Who is the source of the things that I'm here? And who are my brothers? Brothers is adelos, and it means near or close to. So we have to understand that Jesus was not only wearing them out, but he was telling them, y'all ain't, y'all ain't even near my family. You don't even have any, any closeness to me. You're not my brother. You're definitely not my mom. You're not my source. Guess what? The Pharisees was everybody else's source for the word. It's a little bit like the Catholic church. I'm not against Catholic people, so don't hear that. But the Catholic church is, I got to go to the church in order to get my sins forgiven. Right? Well, the exact same thing with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. They were the source for how to get to God. And see, Jesus was basically saying, look, my source comes from something different. My source comes from the people who do the will of God. I've got this, you know, look at this distraction. But also, me and dad were talking about this, you know, um, basically, basically, uh, what's his name again? I just forgot. 
Uh, Jerry Clower. Jerry Clower, I, I found a meme that said, just shoot up in here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief. And it was basically the joke about the guy going up in the tree with the bobcat. And he'd been up there for like 20 minutes fighting him. And the guy's down there saying, give me a clear shot. And he goes, look, just shoot up in here and amongst us. Because one of us got to have some relief. Because they are just fighting each other. Well, Jesus was saying, look, I done shot all the shots. I done beat your tail. And I'm going to keep it going. And you're not going to stop. You're not going to bring my mama into this. So Jesus was not trying to diss his mom. Jesus was trying to stop the Pharisees from stopping his melee. I'm finishing up right here. We're coming in for a landing. But you know, being a mother is much more than just having children. See, being a mom is where our source comes from. Because there's lots of people who have been my source. My mom, I love her. And I'm just like the water boy here. You know, I love my mama very much. And now you know that. Well, you know that I'm, I love Jenny Cornelius because she is my mama. But, you know, I want you to understand is that our source of understanding comes from lots of different people. I remember Charlie and Reba taking me in after Heather and I got married. And they taught me lots of things. My grandmother's taught me lots of things. Pastor Jim McCann's taught me lots of things. Brad Holloman and his family's taught me lots of things. I've had lots of people be a source of my information, to be a source of who, of who I am now today. And see, what I want you to understand is that in Matthew 12, 49 through 50, and it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and he looked at his disciples and he says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, sister, and brother. You have to understand that God has put us in a family where we have sources. We have not just transference. See, God transferred all of everything to us. He put us here on this earth, but he gave us mothers. He gave us physical mothers, but he also gave us mothers that are around us, that have been sources for us. You know, Jesus basically told the Pharisees, you're not a part of this family. You're a part of a completely different family. And you're not going to be a part of, of what I've got. And Jesus taught us that a mother is the source. The mother is the source of how we deal with people. You know, I don't want to just be a father that transfers knowledge to my kids, but I want to be a source, a place where they, they know that they have a connection, a comeback. You know, my kids have an awesome mom, and they have been, I mean, it's been awesome to see what Heather has done because I couldn't do all the things Heather's done. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm really good at the things I'm good at as being a father, okay? But I also try to, in the spiritual things, be a source. I try to mother them in those things. I try to bring them back to that understanding of who they are when they start to get outside. 
See, if you have a source and you get away from the source, you're still connected. When I start forgetting about who I am and about the things, I come back to my source. You know, my mom, I love her so much because she not only just gave birth to me, but she gave me uh, encouragement. I had ADD and dyslexia. This woman worked her tail off, went to all these different people, went to the Board of Education, did all these things to try to help me out. And you know what? I thank God for her because even though I stumbled and I fell and I rolled around on the ground, you know what? What she did plus what God did came together. And now I'm an engineer. I have a master's degree in computer engineering and I didn't even pass high school. And it was because of her. It was because she decided, no, I'm not going to give up on you. You know, there's a lot of people who gave up on me. She didn't. She went back. Even though she didn't know all the answers, she went and she didn't give up. See, that's what a mother does. A mother says, I'm not just going to be the birth vessel for you. Like these stupid idiots that are out here that are, what, what's the new term they're trying to push? Birthing people. Do you know that the, those people who believe that, all they are is a vessel for a child. But they never, ever are going to put anything into their kid that is going to prosper them. Do you know that, that my mom and the mothers that I see here in this room, Reba and Carol, they've put a lot into their children. And they're still putting into their children and their grandchildren. And I'm so thankful for that. Nothing can stop a godly mama. When you have, it's more special when the mother, the actual birth mother, is also a godly mother. Because now what the source is, it just keeps giving and giving and giving, not just of themselves and their talents, but now they can reach in and get from the Holy Spirit. You know, it's what really, I think, progresses a lot of people. You know, I've heard all these people, Zach Bigley's one of them, that he had a praying mama at home. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I've known lots of people that were really bad when they were kids and they had praying mamas at home. I've not heard too many people that had a praying mama at home that their kid at some point in time didn't come back to the Lord. I'm just going to be honest with you. I can think of lots of times where people were bad as a kid and they still haven't found their Jesus Christ. And I can always point back and go, huh, they, they don't have a praying mama. Do you know that that's the most important part of this? It's that Mother's Day is about us giving not just of ourselves and what we have, but giving of the things that God has in our lives to other people and to help be their source. You know, I really enjoyed this whole week. The Lord just kept pouring more and more into me because I wanted you to understand that what Jesus was trying to get us to understand in this, <clears throat> excuse me, is that 
He wanted us to see that, yes, I have this great mom, but I also have other sources, and people have other sources, and that we can be sources of how to progress people's lives. So I, I look at this from a Mother's Day perspective is that each and every one of us, men, women, children, you can be a source in somebody's life to be able to help progress them. That we're not just talking about the, the greatest thing of all is that you carried a child. No, it's what you put into that child. It's how you created opportunities for that child. It's how you took them to Jesus and it's how you continue to pray for them. It's how you continue to put into them. Because you know what? I'm almost 44 years old and I still have a mama that's putting into me. I get text messages, messengers, telegrams. I mean, <laughs> she's got every app there is and she uses them at different times to send me different messages to encourage me and to show me things. You know that that's awesome. I'm not just by myself. Do you know what? I want to be a source. I want Mother's Day to be about the sources that we have in this room for the people who are listening, that we're a source to people, that we are a source of goodness and of holiness and righteousness and we are putting into people as they are going through their lives because people feel alone and disconnected. Do you know that you can't be disconnected and have a source? It doesn't work that way. There's always a source if you're connected. So we have to connect people. And there has to be a source. So on this Mother's Day, which by the way, happy Mother's Day to all the, the women who who are in this room, you know, I thank God for each and every one of you. Y'all have been a source in my life. And for all the men that are in here, you know, get to it. Start being a source. Good night. I will be in June. Uh, well, no, I'm just going to teach on how they just need to transfer money towards me. That's, <laughs> that's what a padre does. So anyway, no, I won't teach that. But as we're finishing up today, I want to ask this question of you guys. What ways can you be sources to other people? On this Mother's Day, I want you to contemplate and think about the people that you're connected to. Are you the source? Or are you the other side of that source? Are you just the connector? Are you the one that is feeding off the source? Those are the things that I want you to, to think about, to pray about, and to see how you can connect with people and be their source. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you learned something today. Amen. 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 Y'all have a blessed and wonderful day.